This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. And we're beginning a brand new series on heaven. And we're talking about our citizenship in heaven. And so I'd like for you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 14. Now they will get these scriptures on the big screens for you. You may want to use your phone, you may want to use your iPad, you might have the scriptures in your hand. In fact, if you'd like to have a Bible in your hand and you don't have one at this point, raise your hand and we'll go through this again. We'll make sure that anybody that wants a Bible in their hand will get one. I think everybody has a means to look at the Word of God today. And uh, the title of this series is My Citizenship in Heaven. And I hope that it will be a blessing to you. I feel that it will. And I want you to follow along with us. We've got some great outlines for you to take home and to uh, restudy again and look at the scriptures as we come together in God's word. I think that in this particular series, most of you have curious questions about heaven. There's no doubt in my mind that there are some things about heaven that maybe you have been wondering about for years. And it's my prayer that we're going to answer those particular questions for you. Now, with questions that you have about heaven, I want to also reassure you that there are many misconceptions about heaven. And this is what I want you to realize, that there are many misconceptions about heaven. The truth of the matter is this, that if you are a born-again Christian, this world is not your real home. You're just pilgrims passing through. And you will see that in the process of this sermon series. I, I pray that it will bless you like it blessed me in preparing it and getting it all ready for you. Uh, I want to share this with you right from the beginning, that I realize that much of what I'm going to say in this series, by the world's standard by, by, this, by this new age that they say we live in. Um, there, there are going to be, I believe, a lot of things that I'm going to say, even in this morning's message, that may be, by their standard, controversial. But you need to understand this, that this is not a politically correct church, and I'm not a politically correct preacher. Back in 1960 and 1970, there was this strange individual that came out, maybe perhaps for the first time on the Ed Sullivan Show, which I didn't watch that much at all in our home. We, we didn't watch him, but I will tell you this. Um, he made, this peculiar, interesting man made his introduction, I guess you would say maybe in pop music. His name was Tiny Tim. He's a, or was a peculiar felon. And he would walk out, whether on a TV show or in his concert, and he would sing, he would come out with a ukulele. How many of you know what a ukulele is? Somebody tell me when it's over with. <laughs> I just know the name. I just know the word. But he would come out with a ukulele. It was a little guitar about like this. And he would sing this song. Tiptoe through the tulips, 
with me. Well, when I think of this message today and the things that I'm going to bring out to you this morning, by the world's standards, they would want me to tiptoe through the scriptures with you. But I don't tiptoe through the scriptures. And uh, they would rather me have a sermon of this nature where it could just be this kumbaya thing that just, it's just, you know, out there, it's warm and fuzzy and it could uh, apply to uh, several ideologies and beliefs and religions and so forth. But I'm going to tell you this morning right off the bat that this is a sermon series that we're not going to tiptoe through the scriptures. And we're going to give you the pure, unadulterated word of God. I'm going to show you in the scriptures critical truths that you need to be aware of. Now, this is a very cheerful type of sermon. It may not start out that way, but it's the truth, and you need to hear the truth. To me, I wouldn't want to go to a church where somebody was tickling my ears for 30 minutes and then leave, and I'd get to my car and say, what was that all about? I want to give you some scripture this morning. I want to give you some thought. I want to give you some spiritual truths as we talk about some of the realities of heaven. So if you have your Bibles in John chapter 14, this is a most familiar passage of scripture. And I would say that for the most part, maybe many of you in here today can quote this sermon by heart. The scripture says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, Jesus is speaking, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. That is an incredible passage of scripture. And so this morning I'm speaking on the real presence of heaven. I believe the majority of this world believes that the timeline of the human existence is threefold. This is what the world believes by large, that we are born, that we live, and that we die. But that's only half correct. I want you to understand that that's part of the truth, but that's not all of the truth. Here is the truth, all of the truth of the matter. Yes, human beings are born, They live, they die, and then they go into eternity. And that's very critical, and that's not a popular opinion these days. And here's the thing that I want to assure you of, that we will all be somewhere forever. We will either go to the place that this scripture talks about, 
We will go to heaven or there will be multitudes of people who will go to hell. I can remember preaching a funeral many, many years ago and the place was packed and we were about five minutes away from the service beginning. And a lady approached me at that five minute mark and said, I need to make something very clear to you. She said, the family has requested that I approach you and let you know that we do not want to hear any of this heaven and hell stuff today. We just want you to say some nice things and get us out of here as quick as you can. And I said, well, ma'am, I said, you have a serious problem. She said, what's that? And I said, well, we've been talking for about 30 seconds. That leaves you about four minutes and 30 seconds to find another preacher. And she looked at me very bewildered and she said, what do you mean? I said, ma'am, I'm not a justice of the peace. I'm a gospel preacher. And heaven and hell is what I talk about. I try to discourage people from going to hell and I try to encourage people to go to heaven. And she looked at me as if her mouth, her jaw dropped to the floor. And she said, do you have to do? I said, I have to do it. I said, I have no control over myself. My mouth was just open. And I said, there's nothing I can do about it. I said, you'd have to put a muzzle on me and then I'd figure out a way to sign me. I said, that's what I do. And so I want you to understand this morning, that's what we're talking about. There are only one of two places that you will be for eternity. You will either be in heaven or you will be in hell. That's not a politically correct subject today and I recognize that and I don't care. I'm just preaching the gospel this morning. I, when God breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, listen now, the word of God says he became a living soul. That's very important. The soul, according to the word of God, is going to live forever. All of us have an eternal soul, every single one of us. That means that at the point of death, our eternal soul is going to be somewhere forever. And in a world filled with so much knowledge and technology at our fingertips and filled with universities and colleges and pastors and preachers and scholars and theologians and nowadays churches of all sort on every street corner, the world is still filled, listen carefully, with millions of people who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And that's the very reason why this church exists. That, that's the reason why we are concerned with evangelism. That's why we are concerned with worldwide missions. That's why we are concerned with soul winning. But the matter of religion, listen now carefully, is another thing altogether. While multitudes of people today do not have the truth, almost everybody on this planet has religion of some sort. But I will tell you that religion is one of the biggest vehicles that the devil uses to take people to hell every single day. 
I'll clarify that in just a moment, but my point being this, man-made religions are springing up everywhere, every day, somewhere in this world on a constant basis. And in these multitudes of religions, there are depraved and deceiving views on the timeline of human activity and the human soul. So I want you to stay with me now this morning because in many people's minds, they refuse to accept the truth that there is life after death. And many who do accept life after death have it all wrong. For example, when it comes to hell, some people actually believe that it's just merely a bunch of bad stuff. For example, millions of people believe that hell is nothing more than a bad relationship. There are some people that believe that hell is nothing more than ugly divorces or maybe prodigal children. Some people believe that hell is financial collapse or devastation or circumstances beyond the ability to control them. But here's the thing that I want you to understand today. Hell is not a situation. Hell is a place. Well, pastor, I thought we were talking about the realities of heaven. We are. But that's why I said just a moment ago, some people may take this to be controversial and I recognize that in that scope of the matter, they will find all the controversy they want. But I cannot let a message like this on the realities of heaven go by without giving you the other side of the story first. And I want you to think about this. I wouldn't do it justice without giving you the entire picture this morning. So I want you to stay with me. Many people believe that hell is a place for only bad people. Maybe you've heard that. Only bad people go to hell. But that's the farthest thing from the truth. You may be shocked to know that hell is filled with a lot of good people. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that only bad people die and go to hell. That's a false ideology. And if you think that, you have bought into some of the devil's lies. I want you to listen carefully. There is only one person that can open up your heart to the reality of this truth this morning, and that is the Holy Spirit. There is only one reason why a person will die and go to hell, only one. Again, hell is not a situation. It's a real place. I want you to see something in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. They'll get these scriptures for you quickly on the screen, and I want to move quickly through the message today. But in John, chapter 3, in verse number 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now again, if you have a red letter edition of the Holy Scriptures, all of the red letters in your Bible are the words that Jesus spoke. And you will find if you have a red letter edition, Jesus is speaking these words and exclusively 
in verse number seven, where he said, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Jesus didn't say it was an option. He said, you must be born again. If you want to go to heaven, you've got to be born again. Now, another misconception about hell is this. If I die and go to hell, then there has to be a way out. That a loving, merciful God could not leave a soul in hell forever. And by the way, that's what the word eternity means. But the Bible has something very contradicting about that ideology. And it's found in Matthew 25, verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed. Look at this. Not temporary, everlasting fire. Not momentary, everlasting fire. But look at this. Ye cursed into everlasting fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. So I want you to look at that scripture very well. And I want you to look at it closely this morning. And so many people are ignorantly wrong about hell and they are ignorantly wrong about heaven. The atheists believe that heaven is an illusion of ignorant people who call themselves Christians. Liberal theologians say that heaven is simply a worn out, musty old idea from previous superstition, but in these modern times must be totally disregarded. The Buddhists believe that heaven is really a place called nirvana. That is really some kind of place of nothingness. Pretty much what Jehovah Witness believe. And this is one of the reasons why that the Bible says that hell hath enlarged itself because of all of those myths, superstitions, and false ideologies. Because people are trying to get to heaven in every other conceivable way except the only way. Now there are seven simple facts about heaven that I want to give you real quickly this morning. And you have them on your bulletin today and I hope that you'll follow along with me as we preach about the realities of heaven. Number one, first of all, you have to understand that heaven is a real place. And in John chapter 14, verse number two, we've just quoted that scripture a moment ago, but the scripture is here on the screen for you and look at it again. Jesus is speaking and he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place. Now, if you are familiar or acquainted or you have a practice of writing in your Bible or making marks, a dash marks or stars, whatever it is that signifies a verse very important to you, underline the word place, if you would, just for a moment. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, heaven is real because Jesus Christ himself said it is a real place. And for those who choose to believe that heaven is only a figment of imagination, let me say that Jesus did not say that he was going to prepare for us a dream. He didn't say that. Look at the scripture. He did not say that he was going to prepare us an illusion. He did not say that he was going to prepare for us some type of intellectual tranquility. He said, I'm going to prepare for you a place. Look at this. And I want you to know that this place is, 
called heaven is just as real as Richmond, Virginia. Heaven is real. It's definite. It's a divine actual place. And it's not only a place, but it's a place where God himself dwells. Look at 1 Kings. You have to go all the way back to the Old Testament for this. They'll get it on the screen quicker than you can turn and find it. But I want you to reference 1 Kings chapter 8, verse number 30. This scripture, by the way, is outlined on your notes this morning, and you can go home and re-reference it. But in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 30, the Bible says, And hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel, when they shall pray towards this place, And hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and when thou hearest, forgive. So even when Jesus himself taught the model prayer, the very first prayer that was prayed, you you have to, I'm not going to go into all of that this morning because that's another message altogether in itself. But the first part of that model prayer, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father, which is in heaven. So heaven is a real place, and it's the dwelling place of God, number one. Number two, in the realities of heaven, heaven is a revealing place. I've put a scripture that most of you are very familiar with beside this particular point, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. The apostle Paul said this, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Heaven is going to be a revealing place. And I want to talk about this gain thing just for a minute. Because heaven is going to reveal. When we get to heaven and we cross over the ebbing tide. And we've gone through the valley of the shadow of death. And we cross over those bounds of life and death. And we meet the Lord As the scripture says, instantly upon death, if we know Jesus is our savior, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But this is what's going to happen when we are ushered into his presence. I think immediately we're going to be informed of a lot of things that maybe we have had questions about in this particular life. Because heaven, I believe, is going to reveal just how short life was on this earth. You think about it. You live 70, 80, 90, 100 years old. I read the other day that the longest running streak of a human being living on the earth, she just passed away, was at 116 years old. But listen carefully, 116, 190, 80, 70, listen, It's a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. Think about this word just for a minute, eternity. Eternity means forever and ever and ever and ever. And when you get tired of saying that, think about it again. Ever and ever and ever. Never ending. So think about a life which the word says is a vapor on this planet compared to eternity. So heaven, the gain of heaven, when we step inside those pearly gates, we're going to realize instantaneously just how short life was on the earth. It's also going to reveal that it was worth it being a Christian. I'm telling you, in this life, nowadays anyway, you think about this. A few years ago, maybe even a few months ago, we did not have 
Christian persecution like is starting to brew all over the place today. But there are people everywhere who are being pressured into being silent about the word of God and about the testimony of their faith and especially the message that we're preaching this morning. Heaven is going to reveal to us that, listen, even though we might experience some persecution on this planet because of our testimony in Christ, because of our faith in Christ, the decision that we've made for the Lord Jesus, yes, we might receive some persecution. But I will tell you this, when we cross the bounds of life and death and we see Jesus face to face, we look into his holy eyes for the very first time, we're able to do what Thomas did. We're able to put our hands into his nail-scarred hands. We're able to touch his riven side. When we see the Lord for the very first time, we're going to say, hey, every ounce of persecution that I've suffered back on that planet, it's been worth it all. Heaven's going to also reveal that Everything that it holds and everything that we enjoy when we cross the bounds, it's going to, I think, make us a little ashamed of ourselves that we didn't do more for Christ. Number three, real quickly. Heaven is not only a real place, not only a revealing place, but it's a remarkable place. A revealing place, a remarkable place. Jesus said this, in my father's house are many mansions. Look at that very carefully. And I want you to see what Paul had to say about this remarkable place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, he said, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, Verse 10, but God had revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And so without question, listen carefully, heaven was built and made by God himself. There's a passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. Read it, they'll get it up here quick for you. The word says, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now in Genesis 1, 1, you, go all, you don't have to turn, just listen to the reference here. The scripture's outlined for you here. You can reread it at home. But the Bible tells us that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In fact, the word says that he did it all in just six days. God is the builder of heaven, but Jesus is the master carpenter. In John 14, 2, which we have already read twice thus far, the scripture says, I go to prepare a place for you. In fact, Jesus right now is in the process of building the work, the church in two different locations, really. This is something worth turning to this morning. I want you to see it and read it along with the screens as well. In Matthew chapter 16, I want you to see something here. This is really known as the story of Peter's great confession of faith. And it occurred in a little place called Caesarea Philippi. Here's the background. Let me set this up for you. Listen carefully now. Andrew and John, they had just heard Jesus preach. A wonderful, glorious message. And Andrew and John had just received Jesus as the Messiah. When Andrew heard the words coming out of the mouth of the Lord. The first thing he did, according to the word of God, he ran to find his brother Peter. 
And when he found Peter, he said, Peter, we have found the Messiah, the promised one. From way back in Genesis 3.15, all throughout the scriptures, the one that the prophets and priests and kings spoke about, the one that the families of Israel had been looking for for centuries, we have found him, he is here. He said, come and hear him yourself. And so Andrew brought him to Jesus, to this little place called Caesarea Philippi. And in these scriptures, Matthew 16, look at beginning in verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I am? I the son of man am. And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also, look at this, unto thee, that thou art Peter. And he was pointing to himself, not to Simon Peter. The church of Jesus Christ was not built or founded upon Simon Peter. It was built upon the rock of ages, the rock that was hewn out of the mountain. Listen now, and I say unto thee, thou art my uh, Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. For the gates of hell and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The interesting thing about this is, according to this passage of scripture, Jesus is building a house for himself on the earth. And that is this, who is the church on this earth? Is it these walls? Is it this platform? These wonderful instruments, the people uh, that hold these microphone stands? Listen now, they are the people that make up the church. Not these pews, not these chandeliers, not this screen up here. Nothing about tangible things has anything to do with the makeup, the chemistry of the true true church. It is the born again, blood washed believers who have given their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the church. And Jesus is building the church on this earth right now. And he's also building that remarkable place in heaven for us In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. So Jesus is preparing a place. He is preparing a church. People who have accepted him as their savior now here on this earth. But to take us to our final home, our real home, our home in heaven. And the amazing, remarkable thing is this. That our home in heaven is going to last forever. None of us will ever have to move again. Nothing can make, listen, nothing man makes is built to last forever. The only thing that lasts forever is the mighty work of God. It is God and God alone that works in the forever business. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, look at this. For we know not that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so this morning, this is the great spiritual truth that I would pray that I could get into every heart and every mind this morning, that not only is hell a place that is going to last forever, but heaven is going to last forever as well. And the very reason why the devil does not want people to fully and correctly understand this truth about eternity 
is because that he does not want people to go to heaven forever. He wants people to think that this world is all that there is. That's why people are addicted to the pleasures and the sins of this world. He doesn't want people to know that there's a better place than this. He knows that if people were to come to the reality that heaven is a real place, they would come to the reality of this truth that there would be no thought. Listen now, if the devil could convince people that heaven is a myth with what he does every day. If he could convince them that there was a better way, which he tries to do every day. This is the real truth. In the realities of what the devil is teaching us, we understand, yes, there's pain and heartache and sorrow with everything that life has to offer today. But here's the truth that the devil doesn't want people to really get. And that is this, when we die in Christ, the word says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If we die in Christ, listen carefully now, we will never have to worry about another pain or sorrow or trouble or trial. The word of God says this in Revelation chapter 22, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. I'm so thankful today that when we cross the bounds of life and death, we'll not have to take another pill in heaven, will not have to go see another doctor, will not have any tears, will not have any heartaches, will not have any more funerals. Thank God, cancer's not welcome in heaven. Heart attacks are not welcome in heaven. There are no more diabetes in heaven. Thank God, it's going to be a place where all things, man, I, so somebody just say preach and I'll preach. Where all things are be made new. The devil knows that only wise people would make a decision to sign up for that. And so, friend, if you're wise today and you haven't already made that decision, I encourage you to accept Jesus quickly. Now, look at this. Heaven's a real place, a revealing place, a remarkable place, but it's a rewarding place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 12, I want you to see these scriptures. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, I'm going to read through verse 15. Look at this. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Verse 14. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Heaven is going to be a rewarding place. It's also going to be a re reuniting place. Look at this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to turn there quick. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I want you to see this, verse 16. They'll get it up there for you. The Bible says this, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise the first. Look at that. Verse 17, then we, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Every person in here today, I'm sure, has a loved one that has made a profession of faith in Christ. I want you to know that your loved one is not floating around in some kind of make-believe place. They're, they're not just 
not existing anymore. They're with the Lord Jesus Christ. And according to this passage of scripture right here, when the trump of God sounds, when the rapture of the church takes place, according to the scriptures, we're going to be reunited with our loved ones. The word says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Number six, heaven is going to be a resolving place. You think about this. That's when our faith is really going to become sight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Right now, we are all called to live the faith life. The word says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 38, the Bible says, Now the just shall live by faith. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, the word of God says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? Here, here's the deal. Here's what, if you know Jesus as your Savior, this is what you signed up for. You've never seen him. You've never touched him. You've never heard his audible voice. You've never seen his real literal footprints in the sand. You didn't see him raise the dead, feed the 5,000 with the little boy's lunch. You see, you didn't see none of that with your physical eyes. You didn't breathe the air of his aroma, his fragrance when he left the room. But this is what we have done. Because we believe this Bible is the inspired word of God. This is what we, we by faith, we've never seen. You know, remember what Jesus said to Thomas? He said, this is a wonderful privilege for you, Thomas. Touch me. But blessed are those who believe and have not seen. We've never seen him, but we believe him. And here's the thing, as a born-again Christian, I didn't see him go up, but thank God we'll see him when he comes down. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Number seven, real quickly. Heaven is a reserved place. I want our musicians to come forward. In Luke chapter 10, get the scripture on the screen for us. Brother Justin, look at this. It's a reserved place, notwithstanding In this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice. Look here, here's the main thing. Because your names are written in heaven. And the only way that your name will get written in heaven is when you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to be your personal Savior. Again, I want to reemphasize something. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. Heaven is not just for good people. I was reading the other day about one of our modern time few years back, presidential candidates. And they were going into an election and a group of pastors were meeting with some of the candidates. And one of the well-known pastors of our time who's now passed away, he was well-known in the Florida area, the late Dr. James Kennedy of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, is what he said. He said, if I could ask one of those presidential candidates a question, 
Somebody said, oh, I can work that out for you. And so he had the opportunity. And so he asked the question to one in particular. He said this, and I quote, he said, sir, if you should go to the gates of heaven and at the gates you were stopped and were asked the question, what right do you have to enter in through these gates of pearl? What would you say? And that particular political candidate pulled himself up to full stature and he said this, well, I haven't been all that I should be, but I would tell them that if they let anybody in, it ought to be me. And the sad truth to that is this. There are millions of people who believe that. I encourage you to listen carefully. As Adam begins to play, listen now, focus with me just for a minute. Being good being wise, being a presidential candidate or even a president, being wealthy, being a good Samaritan. None of that will get you into heaven. You see, if you're going to heaven, you have to have a reservation. And the only way you can get your name written in heaven is when you trust the Lord Jesus to be your personal Savior. Here's the thing. Everybody's been invited. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Now, this is the gospel. Nobody will ever be able to walk through the doors of Buford Road Baptist Church and say, that preacher never preached the gospel. You're getting the full load of the gospel today. For God so loved the world, he loved us all. I mentioned just a few moments ago, the Islamic, the Buddhist, the Jehovah Witness, the Mormon, the Baptist, the Pentecostal, the Episcopalian, the, the Catholic, the Methodist, whatever these folks are. Hey, listen, for whatever, whoever we are, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son and not just the Baptists listen by the way let me in, let you in on something the Baptists do not have a monopoly on heaven I'm proud to be one but making me a Baptist does not make me eligible for heaven that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.